and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Bavona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson, who is making a full recovery this week after missing last week's show. Was here just a little bit, but was not able to speak last week. So, Andrew, glad to have you back this week for our championship game recap. We now know the final two teams in this year's Super Bowl, a Super Bowl that not a lot of people are very happy about. Uh, I'm not one of them. I'm curious to see how this all goes on, you know, unfolds. But a Super Bowl in which maybe you could say it was kind of predictable. But at the end of the day, we now know the final two teams playing. Johnson, we know what side you're going to be on going into this year's Super Bowl. But glad to have you back on the show regardless this week. I'm happy to be back. I would say about 99%. I still can't do a couple things. You still hear some strain in my voice sometimes, but hey, I'm good enough to uh, go back to work. I'm good enough to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and you're definitely, you know, you had a very interesting uh, Sunday, that's for sure, as you, as we both A did. roller coaster of emotions. A very big roller coaster of emotions. That's the, a very good term at putting that as... We saw the AFC and NFC Championship game go down this past Sunday. The Chiefs take took on the Ravens. The Lions went into Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. We'll get into the NFC Championship game in just a little bit, but let's start off with that AFC Championship game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. This was a game in which Kansas City from the get-go started off really, really hot. They got an early touchdown on their first possession after stopping the Ravens on their first possession going three and out. The Chiefs would score a touchdown to Travis Kelsey to take a 7-0 lead. Baltimore did respond to get a Zay Flowers touchdown to tie the game at 7. But then the second quarter was all Kansas City. They outscored the Ravens 10-0. They got a big touchdown drive with Pacheco getting it to give them a 14-7 lead. And then they were able to get down the field and get a field goal just before halftime. And that field goal Johnson drive was really you know, brutal for Baltimore considering they had a lot of you know mishaps in the uh, penalty yardage. They gave the Chiefs a lot of penalty yards on that drive to get them into field goal range and give them that 10-point 10, uh, 10 lead going into halftime. The Ravens tried everything they could in the second half to get back in this game defensively-wise as they shut out the Chiefs in that second half. They did a great job to try to keep this game alive for the offense, but a lot of mistakes from Baltimore in this game. Lamar Jackson throws an interception and triple coverage. We saw Zay Flowers fumble the ball at the one-yard line going into the end zone for a touchback that cost the Ravens a chance to make it a one-possession game at that time in the game. And the Ravens would, unfortunately, because of their own mistakes, lose this game 17-10. to The Kansas City Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl, their fourth time in five years that they have made the Super Bowl. And Johnson, they will look to become the first team since the 2003 and 2004 Patriots to repeat as champions. I love how you said it. Uh, you said it perfectly. The Ravens beat themselves. They lost the game. The Chiefs did not win this game. You could have turned this game off uh, at the 10-minute mark in the second quarter, and you would have missed nothing noteworthy. That's how boring this game was in the second half. Baltimore, let's let's face it, the, the OC, uh, and I, I, I think someone has to get the money. I, I think it comes down to the OC and his game plan. They tried to show that Lamar was a passing quarterback. They wanted to prove the world that he was the best passing quarterback. And they got away from their game plan. The best rushing team in the NFL has... 16 God. carries total as a team. Is it Was it 16? 16 as a team, but eight of them were from Lamar Jackson himself. Yeah, and how many did Isaiah Pacheco have? 24? 24 carries for 68 So you're yards. telling me one guy 
had 150% of your total carries, Lamar Jackson, on average, would throw the ball maybe 28, 29 times a game. 37 this time. And it wasn't working. What was and, working? The, the ground game was working, though. Right. Gus Edwards, a couple times, hey, he looked pretty good. Lamar Jackson, every time he had that ball, looked pretty good. I don't know why they tried with Justice Hill, and they had a couple rush attempts with Zay Flowers that really didn't do anything. But Baltimore beat themselves here. I think what happened was they got they were trying to get a little bit cute with this game. They're trying to prove something to the NFL world that this is a different Baltimore Ravens team. That, yes, they were the number one rushing team in the NFL this season. And they were facing a Chiefs team that, if you remember correctly, the week before had a really brutal game against the Bills in terms of rush defense. So they that's could not why, stop the run. Right. So that's why when I previewed this game last week with Sean Mulligan, who was our, co- our special guest last week on the show, I said to him, I said, if the Ravens stick to their game plan, run the football like they've done all season against a Chiefs defense that has struggled against the run this postseason, that gives a great opportunity for Baltimore to win this game. And it milks a lot of clock off the off the field, which gives Patrick Mahomes less time to try to win the game. Now, in the first half, they couldn't really do much because the Ravens defense, let's face facts, they struggled in that first half, especially against Travis Kelsey. It wasn't even like they were that bad in the first half. I would say the first 15 minutes of the game, they were bad. Sure, that's that. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair enough. So first 15 minutes, whatever, of that first half, they struggled. But the rest of the game, they played phenomenally. That's the Ravens defense we saw all season from them. But they did not stick to their game plan on the offensive side. And they just made too many mistakes. It really showed how much, you know, lack of postseason experience this team kind of had. Because they've never gotten to this point in the AFC Championship game. This is the first time they've hosted an AFC Championship game, especially in their new stadium at M&T Bank. They have never hosted an AFC Championship game. so. They obviously knew the magnitude of this game and how much it meant to not only this team, but to the city of Baltimore. And they had so many opportunities to, to, you know, tie the game or make it a one possession game. And they just made too many mistakes. Lamar Jackson was making some bad throws. That interception was really bad. The first one, uh, the only one, I'm, I'm sorry, where he threw it to Isaiah Likely in triple coverage, but that's a throw where Lamar Jackson has to be an MVP player. I mean, likely puts his hand up saying he's open. He was never open on the play. He had no chance of catching the ball. And that's just a play you can't make as a quarterback, considering that Baltimore was in was nearing the red zone and could have made it a one-possession game. And who knows what the impact of that non-interception you know, interception happens the rest of the way. Maybe, Zay, maybe they get the touchdown, the Zay Flowers fumble. Maybe on that last drive where they kicked a field goal, maybe they get something on that drive and get a touchdown to tie the game. A lot of what-ifs for Baltimore in this one. They really got to their head. Careless mistakes on offense. A lot of bad penalties overall in this game. But you got to get the Chiefs defense some credit. I've been saying it for most of the season. The offense has looked pretty bad for Kansas City, but their defense has done an impeccable job at getting, to, getting them to this point in the season. And now they're going back to the Super Bowl. And... It's kind of different contrast of styles for the Chiefs because we've seen in these other past Super Bowls, the offense has been the ones that have carried this team to championship glory. Now this year, it seems like the defense might be the reason why the Chiefs could potentially win another ring. This is the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had in his career so far. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I don't want to say it was a ghost in the second half, but he certainly wasn't visible. Travis Kelsey did all his damage in that first half of the game. Really, the first 15 minutes of that game. 
Travis Kelsey after that for after the uh after the half had one reception thing for six yards. He had 100 yards at the half. What do you have at, 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 at the end of the game? 111? 105? Something like that? Yeah, 116. 116? He did all his damage in the first half. It wasn't like the other receivers on Kansas City were, you know, burning up the world. They did nothing, yeah. too. This Why is a game that... Catches, but that's about it. This is, some, this is a game that, uh, that Baltimore lost, and uh, I don't want to say Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes had the worst regular season of his career, but he's still going to the Super Bowl. I don't know. A lot of things in the NFL don't make sense, and that's uh, that's one of them this year. Yeah. I think really, you know, we've seen this a couple times in years past with different teams where uh, there's a star quarterback on your team, and they don't have the best regular season stats, but when it comes to the postseason, that's when you play your best. Going into this game, Patrick Mahomes had not been sacked once in this entire postseason. I think he got sacked once or twice in this game. So those are the first two times this postseason he's been sacked. So that's also a great testament to See, his offense. I, I want to say too. he's playing really well this postseason, but he's been playing average this postseason. I mean, 30 or 39, I don't know if that's average. I mean, I, I think any te- team would take that. I mean, yeah, 30 or 39, that's a good game. But I don't know. That first game against Miami just still sticks out in my mind. You didn't have to do much of that game. Yeah, Look at how that game fr- went. Didn't he throw the ball 40 times that game, though? Sure, but the way the Miami Miami offense was in that game, he didn't need yeah, to, that's he what, really that's didn't what I'm need saying, to do much. Like, you could make an argument that two of his games was really won by the uh, the Chiefs' defense. The Buffalo game, he definitely won. That's that's without a debate. The Buffalo game, obviously, I, didn't ha- I couldn't really speak on this last week. That was a game that, the, uh, the Chief, that Patrick Holmes won. He, he was definitely the reason why they won that game. The Miami and, uh, and Baltimore game, I don't think I can give him credit. Well, if they don't have that big start they have in the first half, or the first 15 minutes, if you want to play it like that, they don't win this game. So that's what the offense should get credit for. Did they let Baltimore have a chance in the second half? Absolutely. There's no you know question about it. Because we've seen in years past, that's happened. Remember the Bengals game? They gave the Bengals an opportunity, and the Bengals took advantage of that, and they won after having a double-digit deficit at halftime. So right. and this there's isn't been like- these scenarios before. This isn't like basketball where you could, you know, start run down the shot clock every possession. You know, you occasionally get the offensive rebound, especially on the, uh, on, let's say, the college level, right? Because you can, if you're up 10, 15 points on the college level, that's almost a guaranteed lock. 10 points in the NFL, you, you got to play every down. It's not like you just take four knees and that's it. That was way too much time in the game. So it's not like the offense was like, oh, yeah, we're just going to like, you know, or you're going to like in hockey, we just park it, right? You just, you know, settle into yeah. a zone and that's just it. You just park it. You get two, you, you score two goals and that's it. You play defense the rest of the game. No, football is a game where you have to keep your your foot on the pedal here. And if Patrick Holmes, he kept his foot on the pedal and they put up another 17 points in the second half, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. They kind of, they just killed him. They killed him on defense. And they killed him on offense. The off the defense couldn't have showed up, and they still would have won. Kind of like the Bills game. It's a fortune. It's really it, a fortune. It feels weird to give him credit. I can't yeah. really give him credit. It's really a fortune for Baltimore because this probably has been by far. Was this was their best, best chance of all time. This is the best chance since those Ravens Super Bowl teams a couple of years ago, you know, a decade ago, and. A lot of things were aligning their way this season, and it looked like they were able to get it done. I mean, there wasn't many as in, you know, they've had these injury bugs the last couple of years. Didn't really hit them as badly as it has in years past this season. 
A lot of people were healthy going into this run. It just they, it didn't go their way. You're maybe hoping as a Raven fan, maybe this is a stepping stone for next season because you still have Lamar. Um, you're going to have a couple of these other players like, say, Flowers, who had a great game. It's just the only problem for, say, Flowers is the only thing that people are going to remember him by for this game is the fumble that went into the end zone and the fact that after that happened, he cut himself on the sideline out of frustration, which as understandable being frustrated in that situation because that would have made it a one-possession game and then the Ravens definitely put some more pressure on Mahomes to do something on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, this is a tough break for the Ravens now. They're going to have a, a bunch of free agents going into this offseason where they're not going to have the I, exact same I, team next season. I so. also do want to point out that Travis Kelsey was taunting every time he caught the ball, but the one time Zay Flowers did it, he got called for a penalty. I must have seen half a dozen times Travis Kelsey was either pointing or doing some sort of celebration taunting, and he didn't get called for one flag. I just want to point that out. Yes, do they deserve all the other flags, et cetera, et cetera. But I just want to say you got to call the game fairly on both sides, especially in a uh, a championship game where money's on the line. I did see that on Twitter. So and for the record, I did have I do have, a, I do have a Chiefs uh, futures bet. So I'm saying, you know, even though I do have money on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, um, you have to call the game fairly. Keep in mind, he's mostly doing that, trying to mush the team. Yeah, that is neither here nor there. Yeah, no comment at the time for him in regards to that, but. That was not the only game that we had this Sunday, as we had a pretty big of a doozy game between the Lions and the 49ers. Pretty much, Johnson, a game of two halves. First half was all Detroit. They had a 24-7 lead going into the half. Everything was going their way. Jared Goff was making some good precision throws. Montgomery and Gibbs were getting touchdown runs. We saw Jamison Williams get a touchdown run. Uh, Laporto, Amonra were doing their work on the offensive side. Their defense looked pretty strong. They forced Brock Purdy to throw an interception. The you know the Niners really had to throw the football a lot in that first half because of the deficit that they were in, and it looked like the Lions were going to go to their first ever Super Bowl trip the way they played in this first half of the game. Then the second half happened. Now, if you're a Lions fan, the big thing that's been going wrong for the Lions this season, Johnson, has been their third quarter issues. They've had it all season. It hasn't really been if you're if you're a non-Lions fan, you haven't really noticed it all year. But if you're a Lions fan, you know the third quarter has been a big problem for them this season. It shows in this game. The Niners down 24-7 going into the second half. Do get the ball to start off the second half. They are able to get a touchdown to make it, or did they get a field goal first? Correct me if I'm wrong. They got a field they goal. They got a field correction. goal. So my bad. So they get a field goal. They make it 24-10 to 10 at that point. So then they go back on off. They go back on defense. This is where Johnson, unfortunately, this is where all of the craziness started to happen. So scenario here is 24-10. Detroit has the ball in Niners territory, fourth and two at the Niners 28. We know how Dan Campbell is. He likes to go for it a lot. Unfortunately, this was one of those times where he probably should not have gone for it. As Goff threw a pass to Josh Reynolds, went off of his heads, pass was incomplete. Niners get a turnover on downs. That leads then to a Niners touchdown drive in which we saw a miraculous catch from Brandon Ayuk off of the Lions defender's helmet into his hands to set them up for the touchdown. Ayuk would score two plays later to make it 24-17. So now, all of a sudden, we have now a touchdown game after it was 24-7. 
Next play for Detroit's offense, they fumble the ball with Jameer Gibbs. Sets up a Niners touchdown in just four plays. They've tied the game now at 24 apiece. Everything's going Detroit. Everything's going now San Francisco's way, momentum-wise. The Lions go three and out. They punt it away. Niners go back down the field. They kick a field goal. They take a 24, a 27 to 24 lead. Then it happens again. We have the Lions going down the field. They are in field goal range once again. Fourth and three at the San Francisco 30. This at this point now, this is to tie the game. And Dan Campbell goes for it again. They try to get a pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. It goes incomplete. Another turnover on downs. Leads to another touchdown from San Francisco to give them a 10-point lead. The Lions would score a touchdown and make it a field goal game. But that was a drive, Johnson, in which, you know, a lot of issues on that one, too. Think about the first two plays. They got inside the goal line, got it to the one-yard line. Third and goal, the one. And now keep in mind, folks, there's about a minute five left in this game. The Lions have all three timeouts. They run the ball on third down. They get stopped and lose a, and lose two yards. So because of that, they lose a timeout. And now on the defensive side of the ball, they cannot they cannot call three timeouts to stop the Niners' offense and get the football back for the offense. So because of that, they go for it on fourth down. They get the touchdown and make it a field goal again. They only have two timeouts in about 56 seconds with this onside kick. So they have to recover the onside kick. They even have a chance. They don't do it. Niners recover. They are going back to the Super Bowl with a miraculous comeback win. Down 17 at the half. They win it 34-31. They will now go to the Super Bowl to take on the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of the Super Bowl from just four years ago as they look to get revenge from that game. And unfortunately, Johnson, a disaster ending of the season for the Lions who had a a magical year all up until this very end of the season. Man, I want to just say one thing and one thing only. A lot of people are bringing up the 28-3 to deficit that this is one of the worst games since then. But you know what this reminds me of? Go ahead. This game, it's it's similar. Because in the Super Bowl, that is a way different situation. Uh, please remind the listeners at home what the lead was, uh, or what the highest lead for uh, the Lions were at this at this game, uh, during this game. 24-7. It's a 17-point lead, right? 17-point halftime lead. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, reverse the clocks a little bit, or and go back in time. January 6, thousand and eighteen. There was a playoff game between two teams where a one team blew an eighteen point uh, halftime lead in the wild card round when they had such an advantage at uh, I would say quarterback at uh, running back was pretty even and the receiving core was way better. The defense was better, and they just absolutely blew an eighteen point lead at the half. Would you want to know what team, uh, what teams I'm talking about? I think you I, have an idea. I actually don't remember. There was an 18 point uh, playoff lead that was blown by the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid. Oh, my right? against the Tennessee Titans. Yep, it's all coming back. Marcus Mariota had that uh, had that pass which he caught for a touchdown. Uh, they had such an elite team. Kareem Hunt is. Remember, this isn't the uh, the Kareem Hunt of today. This is the. the Prime Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt. He just came off the season. 1,300 rushing yards, uh, eight, eight, eight or nine touchdowns. They had Tyree Kill. Uh, they had all of these playmakers. They had all these players on defense. They had Kelsey, obviously. And they lose to Marcus Mariota and really Derrick Henry dragging Marcus Mariota and Delaney Walker 
and I guess Eric Decker, Corey Davis, yeah, maybe. Sure. sure. Yeah, but that's why I can't really say anything about this Lions team because they lost to a team that's full of all-pro players. They lost to George Kittle. They lost to CMC, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, uh, all these, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. The list goes on on both sides of the ball. They probably have, if this was, if they were spread out, would it be crazy to say they would have eight or nine all-pro selections if the if this team was spread out, right? Not because you can't obviously have eight or nine all-pro selections on one team. That's too concentrated. Would you would you make an argument for that? I if they if these players were on the Detroit side, you're saying if they were this, I'm saying spread throughout the league, right? So George Kittle is now on Minnesota, for example, and CMC is back on Carolina. If they, if they were evenly distributed, right? Because obviously you're not gonna give a team a dozen all-pro. Oh That's yeah. No, I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, like all these guys would be the man on the other team, right? But all here together. So I think Detroit should show no shame in this. The players should show no shame, and I think it real shame should be in the coaching staff here. If they had just taken the extra field goals a couple of different times instead of doubling down, and say, "Oh, I have to go for it," uh, fourth and three, and they go for a deep pass, really? That's that's the best they can get. Remind me of that Patriots game earlier in the year. Um, it, it it's kind of insane because the players were kind of set up to fail. I know they on the defensive side of the ball they kind of they kind of blew it on the offense. They blew it in the second half too. But this should have this should have been enough to win because I can think two or three times where Dan Campbell said, "Now nah, let's go for it." When they were in field goal range, and if they go to, if they take it those one or two times, it either a goes to overtime or b it's a tie game or they win it completely. It's uh it's kind of crazy to me. I think it's a a tale of two things for this team. The defense definitely deserves some criticism for the second half. They had a really bad second half. The the Niners scored in every single possession besides the possession in which they took the knee to win the game. So that's pretty rough. The only pass I give them is when Gibbs fumbled, so there was short field. That's really tough to not give up points on that possession. So that's fine and dandy from that point. But on the offensive side of the ball, there was a lot of bad things in the second half. You know, we saw a couple of drop passes from Josh Reynolds. That was brutal, especially that one on fourth down. Then you have a mixture of they weren't really running the ball as effectively as they did in the first half. That was really something that was concerning to me because the Niners, it seemed as if they got everything under control in that second half on both sides of the football. And obviously it shows in the final score. They outscored the Lions in that second half 27 to 7. The biggest thing I remember that reminded me of this game is kind of the Packers and Seahawks championship game from a couple of years back. And that was one where the Packers had a 16-point lead at halftime. They were dominating on both sides of the football. And they, you know, they collapsed in the second half. And they lose an overtime on a touchdown from Russell Wilson to Jermaine Curse. That was obviously, that's kind of not the same scenario only because of how the Lions lost this game because of all the decision-making that Campbell did in this one, where a couple of fourth-down conversions in field goal range obviously gives you a chance to tie the game or take the lead or whatever it was at that point. And instead, you go for it, you don't convert, and then it leads to the Niners scoring. This game, obviously, the point I'm talking about the Packers and Seahawks, it's where it seems like everything's going the Packers' way. They should win this game. The Seahawks ran a fake punt, a fake field goal for a touchdown. Uh, they had a Russell Wilson miraculous two point conversion after Marshall Lynch scored the go ahead touchdown. 
to give them the lead for the first time. Pat, that one was really the only kind of members I got from this type of game because that was another championship game in which a team had a double-digit lead going into halftime, had everything going right on both sides of the football, and the second half, it just seemed as if they lost their identity of what they did in that first half. And now this is where Dan Campbell even said it in the post game. This could be the Lions' only chance, maybe. You're hoping as a Lion fan this is, that you're going to back to this point in the season next year and maybe even further on. But who knows? You never know how the world of football goes. Think about all these teams in years past where they've had monster teams and they were one step away. Think about, you know, you brought up 28-3. to Think about the Falcons. They thought after that collapse, we can get right back to this point in the season and we can actually pull it off this time. They have not even been that close since. They're still waiting to get back to the playoffs. This could have been the Lions' only hope at potentially making a Super Bowl and maybe even winning the Super Bowl. And it all got squandered this past Sunday. So where do you go now if you're a Lions I mean, if you're a Lions fan, you've been there uh, for 30 years of mediocrity. and then right. some. Uh, But where do you go if you have a member of the coaching staff now? Someone has to get... Re- there has to be some... I know they just had their best season in 30-plus years. But someone has to get reprimanded for what happened here. Uh, is it the front office? Is it the uh, is it the owner? Do they sit down with they're not gonna, Campbell? They're not going to reprimand anyone just because of how big the season was. Right. I know the optics would look really, really bad, but I feel like they have to have some sort of internal discussion. Maybe not... Definitely not firing, but I'm saying they have to have some sort of discussion well, with keep the coaching staff, with the players. Right. Keep in mind, they thought they were going to lose the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, because he has been a, you know, a head coaching candidate for the past season. And they got news today that he's going to be coming back this upcoming year. So that's big for them on the offensive side. Aaron Glenn's been the defensive coordinator. He's been pretty solid for them. The Lions issue, realistically, is they need to fix their secondary. That has been a problem for them all season. But... Another issue for them is they're going to have a lot of free agents going into this offseason. I think they're losing a couple offensive linemen, a couple set players in that secondary. They have a bunch of free agent you know, players that they have to address this offseason. I think that's really the concern for this team. If you really want to, you know, quote unquote, run it back and try to get to this point, they got to figure out how they can bring these players back. The biggest player that I think of that comes to mind is. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who had a pretty big impact for them this season on the defensive side of the football, was one of their better defensive players in that secondary that has been pretty much weak for most of the year, and now he's a free agent. You have to figure out a way to bring him back. And the offensive side of the ball, you're going to be losing a starting guard and Jonah Jackson, potentially. You Obviously, Josh Reynolds had a bad game in the, in the championship game, but he's still a big player for that offense, and he's going to be a free agent as well. The Lions have a lot of issues to address in the offseason, but I don't know where you realistically go. You so could... here's my question to you. Go ahead. He's going to be 30 at the start of next season. He's been to the Super Bowl, and now he just had he brought Detroit to their best season the last over, over 30 years. Is Jared Goff the guy, the same guy who was benched for John Wofford a couple seasons ago? Is Jared Goff the guy? Well, I'm... It's I'm, it's funny that you bring this up because keep in mind, Jared Goff is a free agent after next season. Correct. And this is, is why you have to make the decision now. You That is a great point. You have to decide what they're going to do. 
remember they drafted Hendon Hooker. I don't think that it really means anything because um, he's still like 25, 26, coming off an ACL injury. So I wouldn't look much into that. But they have a. They, this is why blowing a game like this hurts even more because now you're going to go into next season where you have to decide about your quarterback. Jared Goff's going to be going into age 30 of his last year of his deal. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, we are hoping to be back in the playoffs. But at the same time, are we looking at a future guy? Or are we just going to say, you know what? Goff's been great for us since we traded from him from the Rams. We've got to pay him his money. Personally, to me, I think he deserves to get paid. I think he's done a great job in Detroit. He definitely deserves to get paid. I will not fight you on that, but I'm asking, is he the guy for Detroit? That's that's the question. Here. I think he fits that system too well to not be the guy. Um, So I would say, for me, I think just because of who he's playing for and the, and the way that he... It, it's worked. It's, it's kind of like a match made in heaven for this team. So I would say yes. But keep in mind, they might have an offensive coordinator, you know, change next season, because I would assume Ben Johnson might take a head coaching job next year. Um, so there could be a different, you know, changing of the guard next year for this team. I personally think Golf is the guy for them. I think he'll get extended after this. Se- I, I'm assuming he'll get extended in this season upcoming. That way, he avoids free agency. But he could also play the market. He could say, you know what, I want to test my, I want to test it. I want to see what I can get from other teams, and I'm sure there are plenty of other teams in the in the league right now, you know, that are looking for a starting quarterback that will want to pay him a good amount of money to help them potentially get to a Super Bowl. So the Lions are in a pickle. That's definitely for sure. And I think with that uh, being said, we could jump into the next part of our show, finishing up the recap, and go into our news section before we go into the mushing hour. That is right. We had a couple of head coaching hires, and I did say that this would happen last week. Um, a couple of head coaching hires happened, especially one big one after we recorded on Tuesday. The big news came on Wednesday. That will be the last segment of this part of our show. But let's go into the first head coaching hire, and that was the Carolina Panthers hiring offensive coordinator from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dave Canales. He is now the new head coach of the Panthers. He gets a six-year contract, I believe, too. With Carolina, so kind of a shocker here. A lot of people expected Canales to be named the head coach of the team. Uh, obviously, the Panthers are under new, you know, GM. They have new GM now. Now a new uh, head coach. They obviously bring someone from in division who did some pretty good things this year with the Buccaneers. You know, obviously we saw how Baker Mayfield looked this year. Rashad White had a pretty good season. Mike Evans had another thousand yard receiving year. If you're the Panthers, you're hoping that you can turn Bryce Young and these guys into something with your play calling. So that's what Carolina's hoping for, with Dave Canales now being the new head coach of their team. The other head coach news that we had is former Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Raheem Morris, now the new head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Now, if you don't remember Johnson, Raheem Morris, a former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, got, you know... Didn't really have much success with Tampa Bay. Became a defensive coordinator again. He did some pretty good things with the Los Angeles Rams this season. A, a team that lost a lot in the defensive unit. And they had to pretty much retool and use some rookies to fix that defense this year. And they did a pretty good job. And 
they were potentially a player two away from beating the the Lions in that wild card round and moving on to the divisional. Raheem Morris now gets another opportunity as head coach as he stays in the NFC South once again, going to the Atlanta Falcons, replacing Arthur Smith, who I who we will talk about in just a little bit. So we'll see if Raheem Morris does with the Atlanta Falcons team, a team that is obviously going to have to make some decisions about the quarterback play, who that might be. We don't know. The biggest shocker for me, Johnson, and I think you would agree with me, is we expected this to be the landing spot for Bill Belichick. Now, we did. I don't know if he gets a head coaching job this year. We did. I saw there were a couple options and uh, some crazy things. Uh, my Some of my favorite things I saw thrown out there was him hosting a fishing program with uh, or a fishing TV show with Randy Moss, him having a coaching cast with Nick Saban and Pete Carroll, kind of like a Manning cast, but a coaching cast. Mm-hmm. And probably my favorite, he starts to co-host Red Zone this season with Scott Hansen. I saw one where he might be on. Uh... Oh no, it was Nick Saban. Never mind. I was thinking of Nick Saban being on College Game Day. Um... I mean, hey, Bill Belichick on College Game Day would be great too. Too, you saw what he was with uh, Navy, and when you cut the, yeah. uh, I don't know, when you cut all the boring stuff, he doesn't want to answer about his football team. He actually has a great personality. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. The problem is the only interviews he took were for the Falcons. He has to take an interview with another team. Um, and He's also o- an East Coast guy at the end of the day. Maybe he just didn't want to go out West. Right. Now, the only if that's the case, the only East Coast team left to be is the Washington Commanders. So, Which I don't think he would take. I don't know if he would take that either. The only teams remaining that don't have a head coach are both Washington and the Seattle Seahawks. They are the only two teams remaining without a head coach. And they are both at- looking at Ben Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, is going back to the Detroit Lions. So it is of my opinion, when you're at this age of your career, no matter how much you love the sport, no matter how much you love what you do, whether you, uh, let's say you work in medicine or you work in some some type of business, maybe marketing or advertising, you're a professional sports coach, someone could give you a, uh, a, a line share ransom, right? They can give you a king's ransom to go somewhere. At the end of the day, if you're in your in your 70s, your low 70s, upper 60s, you just want to stay close to home. He's got grandkids. He's got obviously he's got kids up there in New England that are still be on the coaching staff. Steve Belichick's still going to be on staff. He probably just didn't want to travel. And I'm going to say this with kind of Rick Pitino and St. John's. The reason why Rick Pitino was coaching at Iona was because he just wanted to stay in New York. He lived 10 minutes from the campus. Why did he go to St. John's? Uh, well, it's a better, it's a bigger program, and it's only shocker. 30 minutes to campus. So he increased his commute by 20 minutes each way. And that's the only reason why he left Iona. I can't, you heard all these other schools come calling from whether it was Texas tech, uh, which offered them a significant amount of money, more money than St. John's. But at the end of the day, sometimes some of these guys just want to stay close to home. Uh, Belichick probably wanted to stay on the East coast. And uh, that's probably why he only interviewed with the Falcons. If I had to take a guess. Yeah, so I don't know where Belichick goes from here now. I think um, college game day, maybe, or, or, he just, or he just takes the year off. It's uh, either way. I think it's you know a year off might not be the worst thing for him. You know, just yeah, yeah, give me whatever. Bill Belichick starting a YouTube channel breaking down game film every week. <laughs> I would watch that. Really that's sure. not. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate watching that. That would help, definitely help a couple of coaches in the NFL. That's for sure. Oh, you know the Bill Belichick coaching academy online. Yeah. Why not? Um, now I mentioned Arthur Smith earlier, the former Falcons head coach, um, game obviously was fired this after this past season. Uh, he Morris now takes over for him, but Arthur Smith is not going to be 
Uh, he's going to be on a new team this upcoming season as he's now the new offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, yeah, if you're a Steelers Lipstick fan, going, going, yeah, going from uh, Matt Canada to Arthur Smith, it might be a long year. It might be a long year. All I know is, Johnson, is they have officially made me realize that I'm not going to be drafting any Pittsburgh Steelers this upcoming fantasy season. No, you take the wide receiver four and the running back three because they end up being the RB2 and the R- and the. Um, I mean, the run- Drake London still two. looked good. He was the number one wide receiver, so maybe you take George Pickens, but that's about it. <laughs> that might be about it. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, who had monster years for them this season, they probably get overtaken by some rookie running back that they take in the fifth round this year. Sounds about right to me. Yeah, so uh, good luck, Pittsburgh, this upcoming season. But the final news of the uh, coaching wire, probably the biggest news we had all week, and this is the one I was alluding to earlier where we were breaking this down last week on the show. I said to Sean, even on the show, I said, knowing our luck, news like this will probably you know be broken tomorrow. That's exactly what happened. Tuesday, we finished our recording. Wednesday, the big news broke down. Jim Harbaugh is now back in the NFL, the former Michigan head coach and former head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, now going to become the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Chargers get their guy. He now goes to try to help that team that obviously had some up and down years with Brandon Staley. That's really putting it light in terms. But now they get Jim Harbaugh, the guy that's coming off a national championship win at Michigan this past year. Hopefully they can help Justin Herbert try to get to the playoffs again and maybe get even further than a collapse in the wild card than they had last season. And the Chargers, they've got it. The Charger fans are happy because it seems as if Johnson, they finally have made the right decision at head coach. This is the best decision they could have had because not only you're not taking an unproven college head coach, right? Not only did this guy win a national championship at the uh, highest collegiate level, he also got to the Super Bowl. He did. With- uh, dare I say, considerably less talent than the current Chargers roster? Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think you don't agree about that. that? Not, I mean, that, that Niners defense was really good. About that Chargers, that Chargers offense, if used correctly, right? We've always said if theoretically, used correctly, well, theoretically, again, it looks so good because it looks like I think they're gonna take Brock Bowers too. I think I could see. I, I would say either Brock Bowers or it's gonna be. Malik um, Neighbors, someone, uh, some offensive Malik, weapon yeah, for Herbert. Malik Neighbors or um, Rome Adunze. I don't remember how to pronounce his name. Adunze? Yeah, Adunze. Yeah. I, I apologize for butchering the name, but the wide receiver from Washington who had a monster year for the Huskies. I would say it's going to be one of those players they take in the first round with their pick. They pick at number five. And keep in mind, the, the biggest thing I had, and I spoke about this with Sean last week on the show, is their free agency decisions they have to make this upcoming year. Eckler's a free agent. I would assume he's probably done with the team. I don't really expect him to be with the team next season unless they're able to work out some money issues with him. But this could also be an offseason in which maybe they let go of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They might trade him as cap casualties to try to get some money on the board. I don't think they'll do it as much. Maybe Keenan Allen more than Mike Williams just because Allen is starting to get up there in age and you got to probably try to get as much value as he can now before he starts declining soon. So they're going to have a lot of decisions to make this offseason. But I think just hiring 
Harbaugh itself gives the you know the Char- Charger fans hope that maybe all this BS they've had these past couple decades is finally going to potentially be over. And you're thinking that this is the guy that can get you into the playoffs and can get to the Super Bowl for the first time since I think the 1980s. So who knows? Maybe Harbaugh can do it. But also keep in mind that with that hiring, that means Michigan was without a head coach. They will hire their former offensive coordinator, Sherman Moore, who remember Johnson overtook for Jim Harbaugh this past season when he Harbaugh was suspended by the NCAA. He went 4-0 in his tenure as the interim head coach. He now gets the full-time gig with Michigan, so a big step in stone for him. He now gets to take over for the defending national champions who will be going into a big conference realignment this year in the Big Ten. Okay, and I think with that being said, I think it's time to move on to our final mushing hour oh, of the so year. so sad. So sad. And before I get, I guess we go to, go to our Super Bowl pick, we do have the NFL Honors Awards. We do. I want to pick those really quick. We do. So the Honor Awards will be next uh, Sunday, February 8th. Oh, that's not that's not Sunday. When's February 8th, Johnson? I, I can't get my dates right. Uh, that is, that's next, uh, Thursday. That is Thursday? next Thursday. Yes. I'm all out of sorts right now. So let, let me get back on track. Next Thursday, NFL Honors is going to be conducted in Las Vegas. Now, the awards that they'll be going over will be assistant, uh, assistant coach of the year, coach of the year, comeback player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, and the most prestigious award, most valuable player. Now, if I'm not mistaken, each award has, give, has been given five nominees. So there are five nominees for us to get this award, and we will decide who we think deserves this award at the end of the day. So, being that as it may, let's start off with the first award. Assistant Coach of the Year. The nominees, Johnson, are Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator from the Detroit Lions. Uh, Mike McDonald, who was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens this past year. Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator for Baltimore. Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator from the Cleveland Browns. And Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. Who do you think wins this award? Now, it's got to be Ben Johnson, right? I don't think there'd be any would, other uh, pick here. I, I would tend to agree. I, I don't think it, it really has something to do with how the other people are. I think just because of how big of a commodity he is right now when it comes to head coaching opportunities, I think he has to win it. Uh, I'll go into the next award, and that is Coach of the Year. And with that, we have the five candidates beating Dan Campbell, the head coach for the Detroit Lions. John Harbaugh, the coach for the Baltimore Ravens. D'Amico Ryan's head coach for the Houston Texans. Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the San Francisco 49ers. And Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Who do you got winning this one, Johnson? So I went back and forth a couple times. I said, you know, it's not... I said, okay, Dan Campbell, but I have to remember, it's a regular season award, right? And then I went to D'Amico Ryan's, right? But then I settled on Kevin Stefanski. Because this guy was dead to rights, no quarterback, brings Joe Flacco back from off the couch and makes the, and had a really good shot of making the second uh, second round of the playoffs. So for that performance at the end of the year, getting his defense in shape and reviving the offense with Joe Flacco when his season should have been over after week 11, give me Kevin Stefanski. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, the Browns had a lot of injuries too this season, so he definitely deserves a lot of credit for what they did this year with the amount of injuries they had and making it to the playoffs as a wild-card team. However, though, I'm going to give it to the, te- the, the team that beat them in the playoffs, and I'm going to give it to their head coach. I think D'Amico Ryan, des- D'Amico Ryan deserves a lot of credit for what they did. First-year head coach, rookie quarterback, not a lot of talent when it comes to wide receivers originally going into the year. You had a guy like Nico Collins, who a lot of people associated him, even myself, remember him as a running back from Michigan at one point, then turned into a wide receiver in the NFL. They had Devin Singletary, who had some decent years with the Bills. Nothing spectacular, but he has a pretty solid year for the Texans. Collins goes off. They had a rookie in Tank Dell that was doing great up until his injury. And their defense, they did a lot of good things this year defensively. They were one of the best rush defenses in the NFL this year. And that goes to what D'Amico Ryans did for them as as a whole. I think he deserves head coach of the year. All right, I agree. I mean, I uh, I see what you're saying here, but I'm gonna stick. Uh, I'm gonna stand strong here and say Kevin Stefanski. Kind of our first non-mush, first okay. difference. The next award is comeback player of the year. Five nominees for this award are Joe Flacco from the Cleveland Browns, Demar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills, Baker Mayfield from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Matthew Stafford from the Los Angeles Rams, and Tua Tagovailoa from the Miami Dolphins. Who do you have winning this one? Should be Joe Flacco because uh, what he actually did, because no one expected, I could have guaranteed, even if he had a future bet of Joe Flacco to come back and lead the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs, if you had that, at, the odds on that beginning of the season would probably be plus 100,000. However, it's going to be DeMar Hamlin. So lock in, I guess, DeMar Hamlin for my actual pick. And Joe Flacco for what who it should be. Uh, yeah, I probably, I'm gonna go with Demar Hamlin too. I think it's pretty much a con- foregone conclusion he's probably gonna win it. But I think Baker Mayfield also deserves some credit for what he did this season. I think uh, a lot of people didn't give him a lot of credit because of how his ten, you know, his career has gone this year. And he got the Buccaneers to a divisional round playoff matchup with Detroit and a wild card win against the defending. NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. So Baker definitely deserves some credit, but so does Joe Flacco. But I, so unfortunately for them, it's going to be DeMar Hamlin that wins this award. But you digress. I also forgot to mention the uh, for coach of the, uh, the coach of the year. I think Shane Steichen from the Colts deserves some uh, recognition too. They didn't lose that game against the Texans. He probably could have won this award. I digress nonetheless. Let's go to our next award, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Our nominees are Will Anderson from the Houston Texans, Jalen Carter from the Philadelphia Eagles, Joey Porter Jr. from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kobe Turner from the Los Angeles Rams, and Devin Witherspoon from the Seattle Seahawks. Who do you have winning this one, Johnson? It was Jalen Carter up until about week 15, and I think towards the end of the year when two teams need to make desperate playoff pushes. It was Will Anderson that stepped up. So give me Will Anderson for defensive rookie of the year. Maybe uh-huh. an upset of Jalen Carter. I would I would like it to be Will Anderson. I just think they're going to give it to Jalen Carter just because of how he started the season. Um, remember, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. No, I, I agree with you. I would ra- Listen, I would rather give it to Will Anderson. I'm kind of making this pick also. To help Will Anderson maybe win, not fully mush him, but I will go with Jalen Carter as much as it pains me to say because considering he is a Philadelphia Eagle, I'm going to go with Jalen Carter to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. 
but right, then, that's fair. And now keep in mind with your um, next with the next pick, I see what you're kind of trying to do what the Jets did last season with their awards, and I'll talk about that in just a second. The next award we have is Offensive Rookie of the Year. The nominees for that are Jameer Gibbs, the running back from the Detroit Lions, Sam Lepore, the tight end from the Detroit Lions, our favorite Puka Nakua, the wide receiver from the Los Angeles Rams, Bijan Robinson, running back from the Atlanta Falcons, and C.J. Stroud, quarterback of the Houston Texans. Johnson, I think we're both on the same. Uh, I think we're both going to agree with this one. I think C.J. Stroud is most likely going to win this award. Yep, don't even have to say anything. It's C.J. Stroud. I'd like it to be Puka Nakua, but. Uh, when I think they're of equal impact on the field, you have to give it to the quarterback. Yeah, and keep in mind, if it goes the way that you have it, it would be the second straight year that a team has the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Remember that happened last season for the Jets with right. Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. So Texans are looking to repeat history once again, and this time do it for themselves. So we'll see if that does happen. The next award we have is Defensive Player of the Year. The nominees are Deron Bland, the corner from the Dallas Cowboys, Max Crosby, defensive end from the Las Vegas Raiders, Miles Garrett, defensive end from the Cleveland Browns, Micah Parsons, the defensive end from the Dallas Cowboys, and TJ Watt, defensive end from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Johnson, I think we kind of might probably going to agree with this one as well. I got Miles Garrett. I, I got Miles Garrett winning it. No Aggies, I agree. Miles Garrett was the heart and soul of that Cleveland defense all year long and really stepped it up to make the playoffs towards the end of the year. I think it's an no-brainer here, combining that with the Cowboys collapse in the playoffs. Again, regular season award, but people can have that in the back of their minds. Give me Miles Garrett here. Okay. And I think we're also going to agree on these last two awards, but we'll see. Offensive Player of the Year, the nominees are Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, Lamar Jackson, quarterback of the Ravens, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from the Cowboys, Christian McCaffrey, the running back from the 49ers, and Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you have winning this one? I think we have CMC, right? I want to give it to Tyreek badly, but CMC just had too good of his heart season. And soul. I know he just said heart and soul, but heart and soul of that offense, the yeah. 49ers. Without them, I they make without the playoffs, CMC. but they're definitely not in the, uh, in the championship. Yeah. I, without CMC, they, they still they, – they have a good team, but he just – provides another dynamic to an already stacked CMC is delaying their trip to Cancun, which is a good thing. And Tyreek Hill definitely deserves some consideration because he had a monster year for Miami. Oh, he does, but Uh, CMC exists. CMC just had too much much of a good season for him not to win it. I think Tyreek Hill probably wins it 19 out of 20 different years, but not this one. Yeah. And then our final one, the prestigious Most Valuable Player Award. The nominees are Josh Allen, quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Lamar Jackson, the quarterback of the Ravens, Christian McCaffrey, the running back of the 49ers, Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Cowboys, and Brock Purdy, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. Johnson, who do you have winning this most prestigious award? Well, the best player on this list and who deserves it the most is CMC, who has the who probably has, out of all these players, the biggest long shot of all of them because he plays running back, which is absurd. It's going to be Lamar Jackson uh, giving yeah. the award. Brock Purdy kind of played himself out of the award a couple weeks ago uh, when they played Baltimore, ironically. Josh Allen is a turnover machine. Dak Prescott chokes uh, at the end of each year. And Lamar, well, at least he made it to the conference championship. So, yay, I guess. Lamar Jackson is two-time MVP. It's kind of Super Bowls. Yeah, it's kind of what you said at the uh, for the, the work, uh, one of the awards we said a couple uh, minutes ago. 
It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that's basically what happened for Lamar Jackson this season. He finished strong, really good year. But I would personally love to give it to CMC, but it's a quarterback-dominant league. You're going to give it to the quarterback, so it's going to go. Running backs getting recognition? No, doesn't happen. I will say um, CMC does have the second-best odds for this award behind Lamar. So he is getting some love from Vegas, but just not enough to win the MVP award. That so, is quite tragic. I try to think. I think the last time the end of the uh, there was a non MVP. I think it was Adrian Peterson in twenty twelve. I think that was the last time we had a running back or just a non quarterback win the MVP award. So CMC is trying to make some history and try to break that streak, but I just don't think it's possible. So we'll see what happens on February eighth when all those awards go down. But Johnson, as you mentioned, it is our final mushing hour of the season, and of course, it's the big game. The Super Bowl will be played in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, Johnson, not only will we we be giving the pick for the game, we're also going to be giving our pick for Super Bowl MVP in this one. So the line for this one is the Niners are a two-point favorite. The over-under is 47.5. Who do you have winning this game, and who do you have as your Super Bowl MVP? Chiefs plus two, Patrick Mahomes wins the Super Bowl MVP. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift go to Disney World, and I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit talking about everything. You think they propose? That's been that's been no, out. no, they don't. <laughs> no, if they go to Disney World together, though. Okay. Uh, I know how much that pain you just say both of that. Listen, I got Chiefs money. I have, I already have few Chiefs future, I know. so I, I know. guess I can't lose here, right? Now, so at least that's what I'm gonna tell myself. Now I want to paint a picture for you because. Our season record is still very close. Now, you had a big conference championship week. You went 2-0. and I, unfortunately, lost both of my picks. So yes. for me to even have a chance to tie, I have to not only pick the game, I have to pick the the, uh, the over-under, and I have to get the Super Bowl MVP right. I have yep. to get all that right just to have a chance. And so, I have but, to get everything wrong, so you have to fade me entirely. So that's exactly why I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers, minus two. I was going to go Niners either way. I think... I think that this is a great chance for them to get revenge from four years ago. Um, the only concern I have in this game is is Brock Purdy. Is he going to make a lot of mistakes against the Chiefs defense that has been capitalizing on mistakes this postseason? So that's one I'd, I'd be concerned of if I was a Niner fan, but I think they are the better team on paper. It's also tough to take uh, go against the Chiefs when you have Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, but I'd be, you know, be as it may. I'll go with the Niners minus two. And for the over-under, I have to be correct with it because if I'm not, then I'm I'm out. I'm Anyone who's ever seen Uncut Gems, this is the exact plot of Uncut Gems right now. Exactly. See, I ha- this this is how I win. This is how I win. I'm, I, I'm having such a tough time picking. I think the over is going to be the play for me in this one. I like both of these defenses a lot, and I think they'll have a good game. But I could also make the case where these two offenses also have a pretty good game, and the score goes over 47 and a half. So I'll stick with the over for now. Maybe I change it next week. Who knows? But for now, I'm going to stick with my instant gut and take the over. And for Super Bowl MVP, he might not win regular season MVP, Johnson, but Christian McCaffrey will get his flowers. He will win Super Bowl MVP. Wow. I think if you parlay that, you might have enough to pay off a mortgage. 
Don't tap me with a good time. You're thinking about it. You're thinking about <laughs> I, it. I, I, I am thinking about it. Do I put the exact score of the game next? Uh, Yeah, then give me the lotto numbers for tonight. Uh, <laughs> the, the numbers are... Yeah, never mind. Uh, yeah, I... I don't know. I think this is going to be an unpredictable Super Bowl just because we don't know. I, I Obviously, maybe you kind of saw this happening for Championship Week when we saw the Final Four teams. You were like, oh, it might, it most likely it's going to be Chiefs and uh, and 49ers because as an NFL fan, we can't have anything nice. We got to have we gotta have all this stuff happen. But that's the scenario that we're in right now. So it really is what it is at this point, I guess. But... Uh, any uh, thoughts you have, Johnson, before we wrap up tonight's show? Uh, I'm putting my, my life savings on Chiefs money lines just so I can avoid talking about it. Uh, Johnson, uh, before you before you continue, that's not going to be part of the show. Um, do we have a show we have to plug in? I don't know if you saw my text. I did see your text. We have no shows right now. However, stay tuned because we could be at the Woodbridge Card Show on the 17th. There's also going to be one on... Uh, this Saturday, uh, in the Hampton Inn in Woodbridge, New Jersey, uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. We're not going to be there. We'll be at St. John's UConn for this show, but we'll be back on the 17th. So stay tuned for the next couple weeks. Yeah, so next week on the show, you might either hear us being happy about the St. John's game or us being in uh, utter disdain from a tough defeat to current number one in the country, UConn. Should be a fun one at the Garden this upcoming Saturday. But, yeah, uh, we had a pretty good showing this past Sunday, or this past Saturday, I should say, at the uh, Woodbridge Carbridge, uh, Woodbridge Card Show. So, always a good time. Always a good time, and we're looking forward to be back there relatively soon. But we're also looking forward to this Super Bowl and seeing how it all unfolds. And I'm ready to, to uh, bet tails for the uh, coin toss, Johnson. I'm ready for it. Tails always never- heads. Nope, it's always tails. Tails never fails. Always heads. Don't listen to him. Uh, hey, tails won last year. Oh damn it! Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, you just mushed yourself. Yeah, I think I think heads might win now. <laughs> oh boy, I just mushed myself hundred percent. But we'll see how the Super Bowl unfolds, and we'll also recap if there's any other head coaching news we have in the next couple of weeks, as we're still waiting to see what the Commanders and Seahawks do at the head coach position before they go into the 2024 season. But for now, that will do it for this week's edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers on reaching the Super Bowl and getting one step closer to lifting that Lombardi trophy. We'll have to see who comes out on top as Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl champions on February 11th in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada, and who will be the kings of the NFL world at the end of the day. This has been Nicholas Bona, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas Don't Break Sports Show. Have a great rest of your week.